0: we doing? Good, good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today, Luke chapter 1, and we will finish our Christmas series, The Thrill of Hope. Um, last week, uh, just kind of catch you up. Uh, and if you've missed any of the talks this Christmas season, you can go back online and catch those there in our app. Uh, they're on our app as well. Um, but last week, we looked at Galatians 4, kind of the Christmas story, uh, maybe through a, a different lens as we looked at adoption. Um, and what that means, and so as as Jesus comes and dies for us, he comes to purchase and redeem, buy us back, adopt us in as uh, one of his own, Uh, and the way we do that is through faith in uh, the resurrected Christ, and so we looked at that last week and talked in depth uh, just about adoption and what that means, and uh, just uh, maybe the Christmas story from a different angle, and I just love how the Apostle Paul talks about adoption and talks about that great love uh, by which Christ loves us, um, and so that that was last week, and so this week um, we're going to jump in and we're going to look at the, just the traditional Christmas story. Luke chapter 1 is where we'll be. We'll start in verse 1 here shortly. Um, but I want to ask you if you'd join me as we pray this morning. Um, I, I just want us to pray, and I want to try not to get too emotional here. Uh, but but for me, um, being a, a guy from West Virginia, uh, being a transplant here in South Carolina, um, the church has meant so much to us. Every church that we've had the opportunity to serve and be a part has meant so much for us and through that you get to build um, some pretty amazing relationships and so as a result of that even uh, the church really becomes I would say more family to us. I mean there's not a lot of people that we do stuff with outside of the men and women that are a part of this this congregation. We have a few that we do and so um so the very first church that I was a part of, uh, there was this sweet little girl that was, I think, a sophomore in high school maybe. Um, and so just kind of got to know her, the real quiet one, um, got to know her really, really well. And so um, through that, just my wife and I, and our, she became family uh, to the point when we had our first child. She was the one that would watch our first child. And so she was our babysitter up until our oldest, Brody, was about five, five and a half. Um, and then Ben was about two, two and a half. And so she steps away. Um, and so she steps away, but we 've always just kept in touch I mean she's like I said she's family for us and so um, and so this week, uh, we go to pick up our uh, boys from from daycare, and as we do, um, we are uh, made aware of a horrific situation. Her dad had just passed away five minutes before we got there and um, and so we get to just kind of sit with her and love on her. But what's even... I don't can't get any worse than that. Her mother passed away. And I think I brought it before us uh, before. Uh, about April, her mother passed away. And then her dad passes away this week. Had knee surgery um, two and a half weeks ago. And they believe it was maybe a blood clot. And so I just want to ask us, as we pray this morning, if we'd please pray for that dear family. Um, and I know I, I can't imagine... What this time of the season does for so many people. I know that it can be uh, difficult. I know that it can be a struggle. And just for whatever reason this morning, she has just been heavy, heavy on my heart. Um, like I said, she's like one of our kids. And so um, her name is Haley Blanton. Uh, she's got a, a, an older sister, Jessica, and an older brother, uh, Colton, who no, no longer have a mom and dad here. And so um, she's 23, 24 in that area. And so I just I want to ask you this morning as we pray, if you just remember that sweet family, um, and just, if you would join me as, as we pray. Father, we, um, we come before you this morning, and God, my heart is heavy, heavy for her, her family. And so, God, we, um, we can get wrapped up in a lot of just crazy, goofy stuff. And Father, you're so quick to remind us of the real reason why we're here. And you're so quick to remind us how precious life truly is. And so, Father, I don't even know why you pressed upon my heart to share all that I've shared this morning so far. But, God, I just pray that for whatever reason, Lord, it would be something that we remember this sweet and dear family through this time of year. Father, that, that, that we would pray for them, that we would be reminded of your love for them and for us. And, and just as I think of Mr. Marty, he was, I mean, he was just a, a strong man of the faith. And so, Father, I just, I just thank you for that. But, God, my heart aches and hurts this morning for this family. And, God, I, I can't imagine even the hurts surrounding us in this room uh, of ones that have lost loved ones during this time of year. And so, Father, as, as we're reminded of the sweet story of hope that we have, as you send your son, God, help us focus, help us look back, help us see the real reason why we're even here, why we even celebrate anything that we celebrate. So, God, I just pray for your peace, your comfort, your love. to Just surround that family. Surround the families here that hurt this time of year. And God, make your presence known. God, may we be encouraged this morning through your word. Father, may your Holy Spirit just do a work on us in this place. Jesus, I know I need you. Father, the men and women in this room need you. God, show us how great you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, so we're going to be in Luke 1 one here in a few moments. Um, I, I can just remember as I was thinking through this week, as I was spending some time praying and just looking and reading, I, I can remember um, a few years ago, uh, I read a story uh, uh, about some things that were going on. And some things that what really caught my attention was as this story continued to unfold, um, it was, uh, there was a picture with this story. And the picture uh, was that of a billboard. And it stood right outside the Lincoln Tunnel uh, there in New Jersey. This, this big old uh, billboard. And the message on the billboard, I think I've got a picture. Dave, do I have that picture on there? Let's see if you can throw that up for me real quick. Um, I think I put that on there. There it is. This is the billboard. And the billboard said this, you know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. And so that's the billboard as you come out of the tunnel right there. That's what's slapped up there. And it's from the American Atheist uh, Association there. And so then what really caught my attention was um, another billboard uh, this opposite side of it, co-citing it, uh, is thrown up. And on this billboard, it was funded by the Catholic Association. And, and the billboard right across from that billboard read, read this. It said uh, something along the lines of, Jesus is the reason for the season. The traditional Christmas message. So, so what you have is people coming out of the Lincoln Tunnel every morning... During this Christmas season, they see these two conflicting messages. Oh no, it's just it's it's just a, a a fake. It's just a facade. It's a myth. Don't don't pay attention to it. To to know it's 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 true. It's real. It's the story of Christ. And so these two conflicting messages. It's a myth. No, it's real. It's a myth. No, it's real. And so can you imagine what that would have done in the hearts of people? Not to mention the world we already live in, right? That's very critical, that's very uh, non-believing, that's very dark, how that could even be used. And so what I want to do is I kind of want to step into some just maybe uh, murky water this morning because probably at some point in your life, maybe even you have wondered, is this Christmas story really true? Is it really real? Maybe not now, maybe leading up to the season Maybe after the season when everything just kind of settles down. Maybe it's then. Or if you watch any TV on know history channel, they usually run some specials around this time of year, especially during Easter, that, that try to uh, disprove. So just a lot of confusion out there that, that, that's swirling around. And so maybe you've even had the thought, man, come, come on, angels talking to shepherds? Angels show up and talk to shepherds, and in that culture and that time, a shepherd was just a lowly, dirty guy out in the field of really not much use or value in the world at the time. An angel would show up and talk to a shepherd, wise men following a star, and as we talked a little bit last week, a virgin birth like, dude, are you serious? Like, you believe those things? A virgin birth. So some interesting t- things take place over the years or throughout the years. And just as I, as I begin to th- like ponder and, and think and, and read and look even more, that there's just some, some crazy things that's taken place with some famous people when they're born. And, and so one that, that, I, that I read this week that I thought was funny, or not funny, but, but just Julius Caesar. And so he's born, and as he's born, there's these stories about the stars lining up. Specifically, Jupiter and Mars just happen to line up in this case. And so maybe you read stories like that or stories about other famous people or people who have influence in the world. And as you read those stories of things that have happened and transpired, it may may even bring this thought in your mind. If if that's true, then what makes Jesus so special? Why is this such a big deal? And if we don't believe that happened with Julius Caesar, why would we believe that there's this exceptionally bright star that's up in the sky and, and angels talking to shepherds when Jesus is born? But hear me, there's a difference. I believe there's a big difference. And maybe you've read this story where we're going to be at this morning hundreds of times. And maybe you've missed it. Or maybe you haven't even realized really what's taking place. And so what, what happens is in these stories, uh, they usually, they don't surface until a good bit after everyone around that time has, has died off. And so it was long after, it was long after what Julius Caesar, long after those people would become of some significance in history that these stories would come out. That these stories would be made known. But that's not the case with Jesus. That's not the case with his birth, with the miracles around his birth. No, they surfaced long before anybody, anybody knew that he was going to have any kind of historical significance. Any kind of significance in our world. So the story seems to be a little out there. And I always want to push you to investigate. I always want to push you to, to dive in, to think. Don't disconnect, but, but think. I don't believe we're called to have just blind faith, meaning just to disconnect and quit thinking about things. And so I want you to know that it's okay to ask questions. I want you to know that it's okay to have doubts as long as you're pressing in and you're moving forward in those. And so if you have a hard time with this story, I mean, it may keep you from investigating who Jesus really is or, or more of the story surrounding Christ. And you may miss other parts of the scriptures and, and miss really who he is, which leading you may be very difficult to progress in faith. And so that's why I believe that this is so important this morning. Because it's more than just a story, it's not a myth, it's not a fable, it's not just a, a cool thing that a bunch of guys got together one day and said, hey, let's, let's make this really awesome story. And so I believe this morning God will help, this, help us as we grow in our faith, as we press in and we look at who Jesus truly is. And we'll see and it'll strip away this whole thought of it just being a myth. And it'll show Jesus for who he truly is. And so this morning all we're going to do is this, is we're going to look at the traditional Christmas story. See, Luke, in the book of Luke, Luke is just an ancient document that was written in the first century over 2,000 years ago. This document was copied, it was read, it was passed around. And, and finally, it was collected with other ancient documents and it's comprised and put together. And it's what we have as the New Testament. And so Luke, Luke is the author. He's not a Jewish man. No, no, he's, he's not a Jewish man. And so what we know about the Jews at this time is they're looking for a Messiah. They're waiting for a Messiah. They're waiting for a Savior and so Luke would be a Gentile. A Gentile is a non Jewish man. So he's not looking for a Savior, a Messiah. He's not looking for Jesus. And so I just find it interesting that this non Jewish man would write about the Jewish Messiah, that God would use him. He, he was a man that didn't need a Messiah, that wasn't even looking, it wasn't even on his radar, this Messiah. And so what we're going to see is that Luke has a friend named Theopolis who was believed to be a believer. And we'll, we'll talk about that here shortly. And so Theopolis believed in the, in the general sense, but he maybe wasn't so sp- sure about some of the specifics, about everything around who Jesus really was. And so Theopolis lived here in the, the first century, and he lived during a time when people uh, who knew Jesus were still around. Many eyewitnesses, many of those people who had heard about the birth or had been around the birth or had even uh, seen, uh, seen Jesus crucified, seen him resurrected. So there's a lot of eyewitness accounts, a lot of people who had been around at this time that were still present Still there. And so Luke begins in verse 1 and he says this, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of things. And so what Luke is telling us is is this stuff has just happened. All of this stuff has happened all around Jesus. That he is going to, uh, throughout his gospel, Luke throughout his gospel is just going to tell the story of Jesus. That's what he's going to do. He's going to let us know all about Jesus, who he is, all the events that took place, all the things that happened in Jesus' life, the miracles, uh, his disciples, the woman at the well. I mean, you've you got a story. He has it, how Jesus responded to things, I mean, just everything about Jesus. This is who the story is about, the narrative is about. And so he says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of things that have been accomplished among us, so what Luke is saying is just simply this. I'm, I'm going to put all these stories together of Jesus. I'm going to give you the story of who Christ is from his birth to his death to his resurrection. I'm going to give an account of his life. That's what he's telling the people. The actual things that have come to happen to Jesus and in Jesus' life. He goes on to verse 2 and says this. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. And so in the original language when we see this word eyewitness here in this case it's, it's seeing oneself. And it's not that they look at themselves, but it's, it's one who sees what's happening, what's taking place, what's going on. They, they, they're an eyewitness. They, they take into account what's happening. They, they actually were, were there and present in that moment when whatever was going on is going on. So we have eyewitnesses, and Luke is just saying the stories that I'm going to share isn't from a third-hand source. It isn't from somebody's mama who was best friends with somebody else's mama who's had a grandmother who lived two houses down that was cousins with um, somebody else who was uh, uh, twice removed from. No, no, no. This, this This is eyewitness. This is first-hand accounts. Not 200 years after Jesus, but from those people who were actually there. Like Luke. Luke who knew Peter, who knew Paul, who was aware of James. And I don't know where you sit with kind of like the cynical, critical spirit to the scriptures or to this Jesus or even this time of year. But uh, for me, whenever I think of James, I mean, that, that does a, a number on me. Like, you know who James is, right? James is the half-brother of Jesus. I mean, so think about that for a moment. Who we know, he writes the book of James, writes that letter there in, in the book of James. And so who uh, just testifies of who Christ is. I mean, so think about that for a moment. Any, anybody got siblings? Any siblings, younger, or older, it doesn't matter. Any siblings? Yes, yeah, siblings? Yeah, you got a sibling. What would it take for your sibling to bow down and worship you? Yeah, I, I was hoping for that response. Good. Good. Because I've got a younger sister, and, and she's not bowing down to me at all. If anything, she's going to bow up and she's going to work, Scott. You know what I'm saying? Like, like she, she, She's not going to worship or bow down. She doesn't let me get by with nothing. I'm 36 and she still doesn't let me get by with nothing. I mean, I'm like, good lands. And so as I read and as I think of this and we see James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, who grew up with Jesus, who later on testifies that, yes, Jesus is the Messiah, I'm just thinking, what did Jesus have to do to get James to get to that place? I mean, as we have just asked the question, what would it take for your sibling to bow down and worship you? Well, if we look at Jesus' life, he dies and he resurrects. He dies on the cross and he comes back. That's what it took. And so as I think of and as I look at this and as I, as I, as I just think of my faith and I think of the reality of what that means, I just, I just, I just think of, of what it took for Jesus' half-brother. I mean, and can you imagine that? Like being in school with Jesus... He always getting straight A's. He never strikes out on the ball field. Oh, I mean, I can't hit him. I mean, curve, how can he throw a curve? I mean, the ball wouldn't even, like, like, it should be at that time, I would imagine. Like, some rock they find somewhere. He can throw a curve with that? I mean, how in the world? Jesus never gets in trouble. Oh, there he goes, Jesus. Suck up. I mean, I mean like, what, how in the world do you compete with that? I mean, what would it take? And so for James to come to faith... For James to be one that saw. For James to be one that walked with and gives an account. So Luke, he had probably met Mary. And so what, what, what Luke is saying is this. All of this is just, is just the result of an investigation and time spent with these eyewitnesses. Luke says, I've been around. I've talked to. I've heard people that were actually there. and So they have been accomplished among us. Verse 2 says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. And he says, and ministers. And in the original language here, when we see ministers, it's, it's, it's not... Um, don't, don't think of a position at a church, but ministers here is just in the original form. It just means a, a servant or a helper. And it's in the plural form, meaning that there was a lot of these just eyewitnesses and servant helpers who would go out and would share this message, would, would make this story known. Just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses, ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So it's coming from people who saw and witnessed as well as served and helped people all of these people took the story of Jesus to the world and so I just want to camp out here for a moment because I just believe that needs to be a picture of us church we need to do the same thing today we need to take the stories and the hope that we have in us to this world we need to go and evangelize our world We don't build something for them to come here. I believe the Sunday morning gathering is for the bride. I believe the reason why we gather here is for the saints of Christ. It's for the believers. We gather here this morning to make much of Jesus, to lift high the name of Christ, to celebrate all that he has done, all that he's doing, for us to get a a, a quick recharge. Why? So we can leave and go. It's not a come and see. It's a leave and go and tell. That's the picture that we see here. Eyewitnesses and ministers, what are they doing? They're going and taking the world. They're delivering it to people. They're letting people know of the story of Jesus. That's discipleship, church. That's the very heart and core of why we exist and why we're here. To take the message of Christ to this lost world. And let me try to prove my point for a second. Look around. I mean, it's, it's Christmas Sunday. 1, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 20. There, There's 30 seats just right there. Right there. I mean, not to mention, okay, one. There, I mean, hold, nobody sits front row. God bless you, you, and you all. The spiritual juggernauts of the church, and I'm joking. Maybe you are, you are. I'm, I actually can't say maybe I'm joking. No, I'm not. But you know what I'm saying? Like We don't build something for people to come and see. No, we as the church get recharged, and then we go out and we tell. We're witnesses. We are ministers of the gospel. We take the message of Christ to the lost world. Because I don't know how uh, well aware of this you are, but we're not doing a great job of drawing them here. And I love this band, and I think the trees look great, and the lobby is just slam up with Christmas, right? I mean, I even put a dang picture thing out there. I mean, what else do we... There's donuts, for goodness sakes. What else do we... my, My son this morning, he's like, Dad, can I have another donut? I'm like, uh... How many have you had, buddy? This will be number four. I said, do what? He's like, no, really, it's just three. I said, oh, th- no, three. No, really, it's just two. Two? Okay, Dad, it's my first time. I said, like, you're lying. In church, you're lying. You preachers can pray for me and us. We've got donuts on the Sunday before Christmas morn, And we've got 30 chairs right here. Another nine, five, six. I mean, so we as a church are not doing a good job of drawing. But I don't believe that that's the heart of it. This is a gathering for the body for the bride of Christ. For us to be recharged, for us to come together and to be able to celebrate all that Christ has done through the week. As well as set under the teaching of his word and hear the proclamation of truth. To be recharged by so we can go out. Now we need to draw and we need to attract. Yeah, I believe that. But I believe the greatest draw is the way that you live Jesus out. The way that you minister and the way that you eyewitness out in your community this week. The way that you tell your co-workers about Christ. The way that you respond to certain things about, that happens at your work this week. I believe that's the greatest testimony of the come and see. No, no, church, we get to go and be like, I loved it this week. This was one of my favorite weeks, and what I mean by that is, is is Monday we spent uh, the majority of Monday morning we spent at um, Oakland Elementary School, and they asked us to come and cover the lunches for the teachers. Right, right. We, just, we, just want to do, we just want to serve in our community, and we think that the school system is a great place to serve. And so we got to go to one of the local elementary schools, and we got to just serve and watch kids eat lunch. Many that belong to us here at this church that go here, we got to see and joke around with them. Uh, the other staff got to babysit Scott as I got to just live out my elementary years all over again with a walkie-talkie. I mean, I would do that every week, man. Give me a walkie-talkie and kid, I'm in. But we got to just sit there and we got to have great conversation with teachers. We got to love on kids and and talk to kids about what we do, who we are. Share a little bit about Christmas, things like that. I mean, as we're leaving, I love this, I love this. As we're leaving, we have one teacher that says, hey, come come by and see us real quick. And we come by and see us. And as we open the door, there are kids in the room sharing the Christmas story with another kid who knows nothing of Jesus. Jesus. And I'm like, is that not amazing? We've got a we've got a teacher in this school that cares enough about the gospel that, that somehow conversation around Christ gets started and they're like, go kids. I mean, that is phenomenal. And so that was Monday. See, it's a go tell it's not a come see it's a go tell and so then Tuesday you know what happens Tuesday we get, we get to go to the local middle school and as we're at the local middle school uh, Tyler and I were walking up and down the hallway with cokes and water and, and Sprite and as we're walking up and down the hallways with drinks and candy bars just, and candy canes and we just get to say man Christ loves you Merry Christmas Tyler wouldn't sing I wasn't going to sing but he's like the singing guy and I'm, I'm not the singing guy and so I tried to he wouldn't do it and so anyways but we're there just being goofy and handing out drinks and saying thanks for all you do and one of the coolest things happened to me that's ever happened to me in ministry. It was we get down to the last door in one of the halls. We open it up and the lady comes out. And I can understand why. She's like, she's like eyeballing me. She's like. And she looks at him. <laughs> I love you, brother. But she's trying to figure out what in the world's going on. And she's looking us up and down trying to figure out. And I try to put her at ease. And usually that just gets awkward because I'm like overbearing sometimes. But I'm just, I'm doing my thing and we're talking as we're talking. She begins to share and open up. And isn't it crazy how much people just start to talk about stuff? I mean, everybody's hurting. Everybody's got a story. Things are happening in people's life. And especially at this time of year, right? Things get stirred up all the more. And so we're standing there trying to give her candy canes and drinks and candy bars and all of this stuff. And you could just tell there's something. We're like, you okay? Yeah, no. No, I was at a funeral last night. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, you know what? 2019 has just been awful. I was like, oh. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, can we just pray with you? And She said, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you can. And so we just, one arm on a shoulder, we make this circle, and we pray. All while the doors open, and, I, and I, I'm not like, you know me, like I'm not a quiet guy. Like, like, I'm just and I'm like, I'm praying heaven come down, Jesus intervene. Why the doors open, kids are sitting there, probably like, What in the world's happening to Mrs. So and so? And 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 like, but we're just, I mean, the gospel is being made new. Why? Because we go and we take, and church, that's because you give, that's because you're a part of something. That's what the church is about. We are eyewitnesses and we are ministers, every one of us. Every one of us, that's what we do. That's what the early church is doing. And that's what Luke is talking about here. We tell people what we know to be true. One, from the scriptures of who Jesus is. And two, from our experiences, our life stories. We can share and tell people of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And that's what Luke is talking about. Verse 3 says this. it It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, Most excellent Theopolis. So what we see in the gospel here is really it's just Luke writing a letter to Theopolis. Luke had no idea this was going to be the gospel. Luke didn't understand and know that this was going to comprise four gospels telling the story of Jesus' life and birth and all that he is. and So he writes this letter to a friend named Theopolis. And his name, I love this, his name means friend of God. Theopolis in its original meaning is friend of God. And so this was, this was probably the name of a, a real person, rather just like a symbolic metaphor, like a pharaoh or something like that. Like, like a real dude. And so we have numerous suggestions of who Theopolis really was. They include maybe a Roman, Roman governor. Maybe it was the official who was to hear Paul's case in Rome. Or just a friend of Luke. But Luke writes this letter to Theopolis to tell about who Jesus is. And it's really not 100% certain or clear how Theopolis stands in relation to the Christian faith. He has either undergone a Christian instruction or, or he, he maybe has heard an unfriendly report about Christ because things were swirling at this time. But in either case, regardless of where he was at at this time, if he was a new Christian, he's limited to the knowledge and faith. He's limited to what he knows. Or if he's a non-Christian who's interested enough to to learn what it's really about. Either one of those places. What Luke is saying is this is what the gospel's about. This is what the message of Jesus is about. It's to instruct and to inform those who have come to faith. All the while to stir in the hearts of those who, who don't know Jesus. The reality of who Jesus is. God uses the gospel church. And we are to take the gospel to the nations. But it has to start outside the walls of here. It has to start in our neighborhoods. It has to start in our work. It has to start in the school system. It has to start at the Walmart. It has to start at lunch today. You name it. We are to go and take the name of Christ and tell the story as ministers and eyewitnesses. He goes on in verse 4 and he says, It's that you may know the certainty so Luke just goes even more in depth of why he's writing this letter to Theopolis. That, that you may know the certainty. Certainty here can be translated infallibility. I mean, think about that for a moment. As, as, as Luke writes this, that you may know for certain, it's thought of infallibility. And this is a concept as it surrounds the scriptures. that has been uh, uh, engaged in much warfare over the years. Infallible. We believe that God's word is infallible, that it's perfect, that it's without error, that it's God-breathed. And so as Luke writes this, that's what he says. Without an apology, Luke claims in his gospel, you want to know truth? You want to know about the real Jesus? This is where you find it. It's infallible. It's perfect. And Luke is telling Theopolis to, to read what I've written. Look at it. Chew on it. He says, you will see the facts on which Christianity is based. You want to know what we believe, who we are, what we're to do, how we're to live, how we're to be? It's in God's word. You look to Jesus You you emulate that, you model him, and in that you will find that there's something firm and solid and absolute, trustworthy. It's a sure foundation for our faith. And that's what Luke is writing, that's what Luke is telling Theopolis. That you may know the certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So Theopolis was more than likely just taught some stories about Jesus, some things about Jesus, but probably didn't know them all well or didn't know them in depth. And so he writes to Theopolis to tell him so that he can understand, so that he can know. And so I believe we need to kind of just hang out here for a moment because I believe that there's a great, great truth in that that we need to be be aware of or we need to know that Christianity is not about a belief in a belief. Like, Like we don't gather this morning to gather about a belief in a belief. It's not about having faith in faith. Hear me, church. The very foundation of Christianity is an actual event that happened in our world, it's an actual event that took place. I'm not saved because I did something. I'm saved because of what God did. I love that little line in that song. Come and see what God has done. Come and see. Come and, come and check it out in this manger as he sends his perfect son, spotless lamb, to be a sacrifice for us. So it's nothing that Scott Miller has done. It's nothing that anybody in this room has done. But instead, it's what God has done. And it's us placing our faith in who Jesus is. Not faith in faith. Not a, a faith, a, a belief in a belief. But it's about what God did. Takes on flesh. Jesus, right? Lives a perfect life. No sin. Dies a brutal death on a cross. Rises three days later. Conquering sin and death to do what? Pay our sin debt that we could never, ever, ever pay. That's what Jesus does. That's what God allows to happen. And so our Christian faith is founded on a real event in history beginning with the birth of Jesus. It's a real event. And that's what Luke is saying. When there's eyewitnesses who've seen this, I've talked, I've collected information, I've done the research, I've been a part of, I've, I've been a part of hearing those stories. And so for us this morning, it's about faith in a real person named Jesus. I want you to do this for a second. You can turn over to Luke 2 if you want. It's not going to be on the screens. I just want to read the Christmas story for a second. I just want us to reflect. Luke 2, 1. If you want to close your eyes and just try to envision for a moment, or if you just want to sit there and read, or if you just want to just hear it. This this is what Luke pens as he he writes this to Theopolis. Luke 2, 1. It says, In those days the decree went out from Caesar Augustus. To all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration with, when uh, Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, he was to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were uh, there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for you all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And there will be a sign for you. And you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them and to heaven, heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us and they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger and when they saw it they made known the saying that had been told concerning this child and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them but Mary treasured all these things pondering them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them and at the eighth at the end of the eighth days when He was circumcised. He was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. That's the story. And it's more than just a story. It's an actual event that happened. An actual event that took place. And Luke is writing to Theopolis to tell him, you can bank on this with certainty. This is what's happened. This is what's transpired. This is what's took place. It's not a fable. It's not made up eyewitnesses, ministers who were there, who saw, who were aware. And so, so much has taken place. So much is important. I pray that you really get to the place where you see what's happened, what's taken place, what's transpired. There's no once upon a time. There's no long, long ago, no in a far-off land. There's none of that. It starts with what? A non-Jewish person who embraces the teachings of Jesus, who God grabs a hold of his heart. And it happens when people who saw and walked with Jesus were still around. And what does Luke do? He puts it all together in an orderly account. He goes all the way back to the very beginning to do what? To tell Theopolis, to tell us how this whole thing started. See, we're here today, church, as a result of this story. As a result of the gospel of Luke, of these eyewitnesses, these ministers who saw and were aware and could, 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 could give an account of what took place. So we're here 2019 As a result of this real true story. So, Christmas is more than just a story, it's an account of an actual event that God used that would change everything. It's a real story. So, as Franklin comes back up to lead us, the question I want to leave you with is this Are you his? Have you heard that story? And I don't mean just hear with your ears, but I mean hear with your heart. Has God awakened in you the reality of your great need of his son who's going to come as an innocent babe in a manger and grow to be a strong man free of sin? Who's going to take our place on a cross and die for our sin? Have you come to that place where you believe, not in your belief, not in your faith, but in the resurrected Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship with Christ? Because it would be horrific to celebrate Christmas every year and rob it of his true glory and splendor, would it not? To gather here in this place, to hear the songs, to hear the story of the birth of our Savior, and to walk away not knowing Christ as Lord. So I hope that was a good story yet again. And to walk away and to celebrate everything opposite of who Christ is. So don't forget it's a true story. With people just as real as you and I. People with hurts just like you and I people with hang-ups just like you and I, God shows up to a bunch of mangy shepherds in a field, the outcasts of society, and he makes the greatest announcement. That's what I love. Jesus tells who would appear to be the least of the important at the time to go tell who? Everyone. He gets Luke together, and he hears these stories, and he has Luke pin them for us to read thousands of years later. True story, real people pray you don't miss what Christmas is about this year please don't miss what Christmas is about this year which has us to move into this time of what I believe is one of the greatest celebrations that we can physically do especially this time of year as we celebrate the coming of Christ we're going to move into a time where we partake of the elements of the cross so at his birth we're going to celebrate his death and resurrection that's what we're going to do and I love it because Paul pens to the Corinthian church in Corinthians 11 and, and I want us to take it serious because it's a very serious ordeal. What we're about to do, what we're about to partake of. And, and I think that there's no better way to serve it than from a manger. Just as a reminder of how Jesus came. As a reminder of, of how Jesus was. Clothed in flesh and blood just like you and I. Living a perfect life. So Paul writes this and he says. And we'll start at the back and we'll end at the front. He says in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 11. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Unworthy here just means unfit. It means if you take it in, an un, in a ritualistic, maybe an un, if you have an unrepentant heart, if there's a spirit of bitterness, any ungodly ta- uh, attitudes, that's unworthy. Sin is what, what it would mean. And the reality is we're all guilty of sin. But what he's talking about, what I would say is this, if you're in open rebellion to Christ living life however you want to, doing whatever you want to, don't care what Jesus says, I would warn you and caution you this morning of partaking of this. In an unworthy manner, he will, manner, will be guilty concerning the body, guilty just to come to this table clinging to that sin, this dishonors the ceremony. And his body and his blood, it just dishonors. And so by taking it in an unworthy manner is to mock Christ's sacrifice for our sin by holding on to our own sin, saying, our way is better than yours. So for us as believers, there's no area in our life that's shut off to Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. Don't take this covenant and don't cling to your sin over Christ. And then I love it. He says this, and this is what I want us to move into is our altar called Is He says this, let a person examine. Examine means to test, to prove, to make sure of. One, that you belong to Christ. And two, you're not living in open rebellion. So in this moment, what we get to do is we get to reflect on the reality of the manger, the reality of the, 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 the God-man who comes. As we get to reflect on that, we get to ask, God, is there sin in my life? Is there things that I've done that, I, that I've cherished, that I've loved, that I've valued more than you? Is there things that you've told me not to do that, that I'm doing? God, if so, stir in my heart. God, if so, make it known to me the sin in my life. Why? So that I can repent, so that I can ask you to break my heart, so that I can ask you to help me love you more. anything else so let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for if anyone eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself it's a thought of condemnation you're saying by taking the elements that you're guilty and that you deserve the strictest of punishments if you're outside the bounds of belonging to Jesus and so then look at what he says is some of the results of taking these elements in an unworthy manner. This is, this is how serious it is for the first church, which again is serious for us this morning in this place too. Verse three says, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. So taking the elements, saying, yes, Jesus, you are Jesus, but I'm going to do my own thing, but I'm going to come and, and partake anyways. Just points to the reality of who he is and as a result of that, Some have become weak, some have become ill, and some have even died. But look at what Paul says. If we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So what it's saying is this, is that the Lord chastens, the Lord disciplines to drive his people back to righteous behavior and even sends death on some to keep them from falling away and defaming his name. That's how serious this is. You're like, dude, chill out. It's Christmas. There's a baby. But do you understand who that baby is? That is the holy God. And so as we come and we partake of the elements of the cross, and we partake of the body and we drink of the blood, we're saying, yes, we believe that you are the holy God, living, only living God. And it's not something to be entered into half-heartedly or entered into just flippantly. And so what I want us to do is this. As we've heard the story of Jesus, as we've looked at what Paul said to the church there at Corinth, I just want us to have a time of, of examination, a time of reflection. I just want us to ask God to reveal maybe sin in our life, to just point out, to show us, to encourage, to do whatever he needs to do in this moment. And so Franklin's going to play. I don't know if he's going to sing. He's going to play. And as he plays, this altar is going to be open. And we're just going to spend the next few minutes just praying and asking God, maybe repenting. Repenting is a beautiful thing whereby we go to the Lord and we say, God, break our heart. It's a change of mind. God, change our mind as it pertains to sin in this world. And help us love and value and want you far above anything else. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's happened over this last week, months, months, years. But I just want to give us time to just do that, to examine our heart, to ask God, God, is there anything unclean in me? Is there anything that I'm holding to over you? Is there any actions that doesn't represent you or make much of you? And so Franklin's going to pray. If you want to come pray, you come pray. If you want to sit there and pray and reflect, whatever God presses upon your heart, And here in a few minutes we'll come and we'll partake of the elements of the cross. But you you be obedient to whatever Jesus asks of you.